And welcome back to Uber Cinco. Today we are going to talk about the very best in television. We're not talking Breaking Bad. We're not talking about HBO here. Well, maybe not. Who knows? No one's winning an Emmy at this party today. What we're talking about is that deliciously mm, scrumptious TV you watch alone or with a special someone or when it's happening you might hate yourself just a little bit. <laughs> Today, we are doling out our top five TV shows we love to hate watch. Whether you are embarrassed or you wear it with pride, either way, you hate yourself just a little bit. Today, our contestants are going to give us their delicious choices. The first guy, he's a main entity. The man with the plan uh, the boy with toys. No one's ever said that before, but uh, he loves them. <laughs> Brian Ernst, welcome. Sorry, sir. let me close my toy chest here. Put everything away. <laughs> it is not playtime. It is professional time. <laughs> Hi, how are there you? We go. Hello, doing well. Um, quick question. Uh, Valentine's is coming up here. Uh, did you get Valentine's as a kid when you were in school? Did you give them out? Oh, yeah. The little uh, cardboard ones where you like had to go to the store with your mom and really, really make sure you're picking the cool box and you wanted to make sure you mm-hmm. got the Ninja Turtle one, but not the Ninja Turtle one that like the other boys were going to have. It was a whole thing. Sure. Yeah. That, that was always a tough choice. And because uh, Walgreens only sold like four types of Valentine's, good, good chance there was going to be some repeats yeah, on, for on sure. the day. But as long as there was candy attached. All right. Our next guy. He's the tallest of them all, at least of us three. Uh, the man with the longest hair, Nath, the Faith Henenfent. Welcome, sir. Hello. How are you? I am doing very well. Uh, we are recording this on a Sunday morning. I've had already three cups of coffee, and I'm going to go play racquetball after this. So I am jazzed up and ready to go. Um, all right. It's- I, I would like to add that I assume that I sent or like passed out Michael Jordan theme Valentine's oh, yes, to my course. class when I was a kid, but I, I don't remember exactly doing that, but I remember receiving a Ken Griffey Jr. One. So it just wow. it stands to reason that I was passing out a Michael Jordan one. If the Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> ones existed, there had to be Michael Jordan. That sounds ones. Fair. Sure. Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I loved, I love giving out sports ones too. And I always would try and put like a sp- I'd ask my mom to help me just like come up with sports puns, you know, like you're a real slam dunk Valentine or like, you know, uh, you need help with that one? <laughs> <laughs> or like I'd, I'd get a first down with you or something. I don't know. It, you know, <laughs> or like, yeah, I'd love to slam you. And you're like, Whoa, wait, no, no, not that. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, before I move along, I just want to remind our listeners at home, we have a, a at this point, I guess it's not brand new, but a redesigned website. Bump on over to bizbear.biz, check it out, leave us a suggestion, a voicemail, however you want to interact with the show. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, as if you are a loyal listener, you know, ideas get on the show. Today is one of them, actually. So there you go. Bump on over to bizbear.biz, check it out, interact with the show. We'd love that. Uh, and of course, the, the new website, it's beautiful, it's snazzy. And, of course, that's brought to you by our brand-new liquor sponsor, Mike's Liquor from Ely. Stop sending us checks, but guess what? We got a new one in the barn. (laughs) Sisters Beer and Spirits on Route 59 in downtown Elbow Lake, Minnesota. If you hit the lake, you've gone too far. (laughs) Sisters Beer and Spirits fueling the good times at home since 1993. Okay, and at the end of the show, stick around for your host, Fast Five. That's me, Mitch Brinkman, the host. Today, my Fast Five will be top five 
kisses. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, baby. Right? Fun. Okay, before we continue, though, let's do a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. Wow, our rules are good, and they keep the game on track, <laughs> which I will also attempt to do today as host. And as host, I get to create a house rule. And uh, I do not have a card of mystery today, but I have an envelope of clues. Ooh, <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, I like that. Okay, I too hate watch television, just like you regulars. So I've got three envelopes with shows written on the back. The front has clues as to what the show is. Maybe the channel it's on, themes in it, characters, that kind of thing. So first card. CBS, comedy, one, two and a half men. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not your own favorite. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. It's, it's, sorry. Yeah, these, these are my, of myself. <laughs> that's okay. First level worth one point. You get for you guys as a team get first level right. We go into second level. That's worth three points. <laughs> Third level, five points. Okay. They get progressively harder to guess as well. So that that's fun. I, I'll give you the first one right now, and and uh, then we'll continue on. So first one here. You see that it says Showtime, Led Zeppelin, Finance, Giamatti. That's the first. That's the first hate watch show uh, I have on the Dude, list. Yeah, is is that billions? Oh, Nathan, right off the bat with the billions one. Wow, good for I, you. I don't know what Led Zeppelin has to do with that. What's the link there? Oh, they, they reference like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and like music all the like. It seems like oh. all the time. Every single every single character has like an encyclopedic knowledge of 60s and 70s and 80s film and television and music. It's, I can I can see why you would you would hate this because you've already spent 15 of your, years of your life around me and you're probably sick <laughs> of shit like that. <laughs> well, it's you know, it, it's Damian Lewis playing uh, the the big baddie Bobby Axelrod. He's like, "You know, what we got to do is buy this new company so we can corner the market and make billions of dollars." Just like when Ringo did that one baseline on, you know, Strawberry Fields and pissed off John. And they're like, oh, yeah, of course, exactly. And you're like, what? No, no that's a- that is an encyclopedic oh. knowledge. And I know that Ringo got off the drums and picked up a bass. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Again, see, I, I couldn't be on the show. I cannot be a character. I do but Nathan, not know the, enough. Billions is also written by the guy who wrote Rounders, Brian Koppelman. You know how accurate of a poker movie that is. So this is really going to get you can't, into it. I- yeah, I can't get into that discussion today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like half the show is groups of like three men walking into rooms and then spacing evenly so they're all in the shot and then standing there in their suits and going, "We've got a big problem, and the problem is dividends." And they're like, "How are we gonna do this?" And they're like, "Well, we gotta talk to our banker friends on the down low." And then it's like, and you know, cut to the next scene. But um, yeah, okay, Sounds let's, let's, let's keep. Moving. It's very riveting. Banker it's friends. very riveting. Yeah. Um, okay. So, who's going to go first today? Okay. Uh, I thought about this, and I was trying. I, I did a bunch of metrics. I tracked a lot of stats. But Nathan came out very heavy on top on one, and that is the amount of times I caught Nathan giggling at jokes 
and ogling Courtney Thorne Smith while watching his daily rerun of According to Jim when when he said it was it was on when I came in. You know, I, I didn't choose this. It was on. <laughs> Thousands of times, thousands of times. So for that, Nathan, uh, give me your number five TV show to hate watch, please. Uh, my number five is something I'm currently in the middle of for maybe the 10th or 11th time in my life. Oh, wow. And that is Ken Burns, the Civil War documentary. Oh, what? And and you hate – wait, so you yes. hate it the whole time but you still watch it? No, I when I, I saw it first when I was a kid. Yeah. And, I, it, and it's a beautiful film. And it's, you know, fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I was a kid, I hadn't quite grasped just how terrible the Civil War actually was. Mm -hmm. And like, and it, it's kind of the way it portrays it is, is sort of this folksy event, like almost quaint in a way. Yep. And not, you know, like one of the worst things that's ever happened <laughs> in the country. Yep. And also it was, uh, this is a, you know, the Civil War was fought to end slavery and this is a movie made by a bunch of white guys in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So the perspective doesn't exactly hold up very well. Yeah. And it, it goes way too easy on uh, some central figures of the Confederacy. Like it, it lionizes Robert E. Lee, um, which the effects of that have filtered down through today. The debates about Civil War statues and whatnot. Sure. Um, use of the Confederate flag, which I just absolutely cannot stand. Sure. Um, so as, as I get older, I, I start to see the cracks in this and, uh, there's a, there's a guy named Shelby foot who's in this and, uh, he was a writer, but he's not technically a historian, but he had this, he had this wonderful Southern drawl. It was very, mm. it was just like syrup being poured over pancakes is what his voice <laughs> sounded like. <laughs> and he actually like, he was an older gentleman and actually like he got marriage proposals in the mail after this, uh, aired. And he was, you know, he's fascinating to listen to a great storyteller, but he, he's sort of the central problem is because he, he's, he goes to, he's too nostalgic about all of this. And he, it's, and he knows, he, he knows everything. And he tells these cute little stories about these soldiers. And it, it's, it's kind of disturbing how much he knows yeah. <laughs> and, and how much of this, and I'm like, how much of this has he invented? I, and I've looked up some criticism of him before. And so the whole thing is tainted, yeah. but I've, as I said, I, I have had a lifelong fascination with the civil war. So it, I do keep going back to it because there's a lot of amazing characters and it is the central event of our country's history. But uh, each time I watch it, I can see the, 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 paper pulled back a little bit more yeah i you know i'm assuming that's was one of ken burns's first like multi-volume 10 hour long you know i think Odyssey it may have been the first one the first one okay i think so well i think um and it aired it aired it on pbs in 1990 and it was a huge huge success wow i think i know why did, nathan's did, uh, so upset it's like because i mean to quote Whoopi goldberg it wasn't about race it was about states rights and that's why sure. they really needed to get into. Yeah, no. <laughs> Nathan, what, what? Well, that's that's actually one thing is that this Shelby Foot dude says is, and he doesn't completely disregard the slavery issue, but he he's, and it, this may have been edited in a weird way, but he says a lot of it is about failure to compromise. And I'm like, that's bullshit. It was about yep. slavery yeah. the whole time, and that there is. Um, there's a black woman historian who's interviewed and she's fantastic, Barbara Fields. And it's refreshing that you have that perspective as opposed to a bunch of crusty old white dudes. 
Um, it does have Morgan Freeman doing the voice of Frederick Douglass, Ooh, which is pretty awesome. great. Hmm. Uh, Sam Waterston is the voice of Abraham Lincoln and playwright Arthur Miller as William Tecumseh Sherman. Fantastic. So, I mean, there's a lot of so great good stuff, casting but, all around. That's good. Yeah. And uh, Garrison Keillor as various. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but Shelby Foote is just like, oh, General Thomas McPherson just wanted to drink the peach sweet tea on his porch. And it turned out, oh, my way of life ain't good. I got to get up and take up arms or something like that. And then, you know. That's an unbelievably accurate uh, <laughs> depiction. <laughs> Um, the, uh, have you seen it before? Uh, oh yes, Nathan. I actually, no, I think I've probably watched an hour or two and then, you know, um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the first grader like you who was like, Oh, I want to learn about all the death, you know, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, Did you bring those facts it was to when I was, Yeah. When I was 10 or 11, I, my family took a trip over to the East coast, um, Washington DC and, uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we stopped at Gettysburg on the way and I was just thought it was so interesting yeah and that was what spurred it on and that's what blew the doors open yeah did um was uh peter coyote uh did he do that one i I know he's like the the ken burns number one narrator i don't think so it was um i can't think uh david mccullough the oh that guy uh, historian he he narrated it that author another like just silky voice like yeah you could listen to these people talk forever yeah I say M- McCullough writes pretty detailed books, but they're pretty boring. They're they're pretty dry. Um, I've read a couple, but yeah. Um, okay, enough book talk. All right, this is about TV. <laughs> um, Nathan, for for helping us see the error of our own ways, I think you might get a good score for this round. Okay, but Brian, I need to hear your number five first. Uh, my number five is a little bit more fast paced than a sure. probably eighteen part Civil War documentary on PBS. Yep. Because that is Netflix's nailed it. That's right. The baking game show where people who don't know how to bake come to a bake off. This is, (laughs) this is the show that Jenny and I watch when we can't agree on anything else to watch. And we've already watched Entourage twice all the way through. So we need a new show to watch. So we put on Nailed It. And luckily, there's six seasons plus a couple of Christmas seasons. There's a lot of good stuff on there. And I've already summed it up. I mean, Nicole Byers hosts uh, with a uh, moth-awarded chef, Jacques Torres, a French pastry chef who's an honor the judge. And there's a guest judge every week. It's t- like two rounds of people who have no idea what they're doing in the kitchen. I would love to see Nathan on this show. Because Nathan would blow away <laughs> everyone. Nathan, you are just a, a human being who could probably follow instructions and come up with something way better than everything anybody else on this show. It is. I appreciate your faith in me, but I doubt. They it. are so bad. My faith in you is so high. <laughs> it is the worst you've ever seen. <laughs> Granted, they are giving people very, very complicated things to do. Decoration wise. At the base, it's basically baking a cake out of a box. (laughs) Like the cake mix is there. You add the ingredients, you put it in the oven, you're done. But like the amount of people who don't know how to grease a grease a pan before you put cake batter in it, don't understand how an oven works, can't just follow four step instructions. Like, what do you mean this goes in there? This is the amount. This is how it goes in. This is the order. Just do that. Slow down and you'll be (laughs) fine. (laughs) 
but that's not the point of the show. You lost me at the phrase yeah. in there. I'm <laughs> but who, the point is eats, to try and get what when you get to the decoration uh, phase of this contest is my favorite because uh, there's a quick montage every episode of how Jacques Torres put together this beautiful, wonderful pastry. It's a 12 second mm-hmm. montage of beautiful food shots of just these amazing hands at work, rolling out fondant, putting faces on things, piping perfect decorations. You have this beautiful piece of edible artwork at the end. And then you put a bunch of randos in a kitchen and say, go make this with no experience. They do. And some of their, uh, I'll say, creative workarounds make no sense because they get so far behind, they try to come up with shortcuts and you're like, what are you, what are you doing? And the answer is always Rice Krispies. Like, if you don't have time to build a base, <laughs> go find Rice Krispies and just start fucking molding them into whatever you can and blah, blah, blah. But the worst for me is whenever I see somebody pour an extract of anything without measuring. That's the only thing. Oh, Someone yeah. like takes like, uh, like a lemon or an almond extract and dumps like half the extract bottle into the batter. And it's like, you know. Anybody who's ever seen vanilla extract knows how powerful it is. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's going to be absolutely awful. Do do they have to eat their own creations? They don't. The at the end of each section, you have to cut the best piece of whatever you have making, and they have to take a bite out of it. And the judges actually have to eat it. And so just the judges just eat the it. The judges People have to eat it. it. Don't have to eat it. Okay. And that's one of my favorite parts is like when it's either too extracty or too dry or uncooked cake batter. And they have to try and say something nice. Like, (laughs) Nicole doesn't do anything. She's the comedian. She can say whatever she wants. Yeah. But to watch the French pastry chef try and be positive to these people who are just ruining his life's work (laughs) is really funny. But the best part of this whole show is how I think the first season Jacques saw himself on camera and he was he was a chubby man. He was a very chubby yeah. man. Now on season seven, he looks like Christian Bale in The Machinist. <laughs> <laughs> he just did a complete 180. And yeah, he's, he's just getting richer and hotter and tanner and just, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely, yeah, he's, he cut, cut the baby weight, we'll say. <laughs> do you, is this show so bad that it's like, do you, do you ever think to yourself, this is a waste of time, but I just can't? Or like, or is there ever a time when you can't watch the show? So it's the, like, it's, I, I just, I can't do nailed it now. It's a pattern. It's just the pattern. That's the problem. It's, it's the same okay. thing. Every episode, it's like watching okay. a law and order or watching a Grey's Anatomy. You know, the formula of what's going to happen. This happens. Watching this an entourage happens, this happens. or watching a king of, yeah, whatever. Yeah. This is kind of like the, I mean, it's almost comforting in a way because you know, you yeah. don't your brain doesn't have to work <laughs> yeah at all and i think that's why it's okay you know it's not good you know what you're gonna get but it's just something just like i gotta turn the brain off for a little bit and at times even though you know you shouldn't be watching it it can be enjoyable do you think this show would be as enjoyable for people who don't bake as much as you do brian because I'm, I'm assuming part of watching this is you feel much better about your baking skills and that's, oh i that's definitely nice. i feel i am so elitist after i'm done watching this yeah. show for sure <laughs> but it, anybody watching it can watch it for the side by side of sure. here's what you were told to make and here's what you made and to see that side by side is always a laugh even for the people who did it well you are guaranteed a laugh at the midpoint and at the end. 
And that is what I find comforting in this hate watch. <laughs> okay. I'm, I, I'm assuming the, uh, the uh, cut to joke is, is a very strong move in this show as well. They show Jacques work and then cut to, you know, that's just the, that's, that's the moment you get that. And they do a complete side by side on screen. And that's where you're really, yeah. uh, Oof. Very cool. Well, I've, I've had multiple people tell me I need to watch this show and how to enjoy it. And because of the, the plethora of show out there, I haven't got to it yet. But I think I think this might push me towards it. But that round, Nathan, I was going to give you two um, because it made me sad to think you as a 10-year-old are just like munching down on the 10-hour Civil War documentary. <laughs> I don't know why. But then you made made uh, me see the fault of, of, of our, our whiteness as well. So that's going to give you three points. Um, Brian... Um, I'm gonna give you two points on this because uh, I don't know. I just I you, you you were moving, but you weren't moving enough. So 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 push a little harder. Um, be a little little more dirty. Cuss a little bit more. Maybe you'll get three points next time. Um, okay, Nathan, <laughs> your number four is coming up. Give us give us that, please. I went with Yellowstone, another show I'm currently oh. watching. Wait, hold on. Didn't you say you liked it in a recent chat that we had? I. Did say I, I like it, but it also is a is a hate it watch a hate because watch. Okay. it's it's a lot of uh it's it's a contemporary show. Yep. And it's they go to like a lot of bars that play country music. Yep. And it's it's pretty it's pretty soapy, I think. Oh, yeah. I would describe it as as a cross between succession and the Sopranos, but ten percent as effective as either one. <laughs> yep. It's and and set and set in the West, uh, Kevin Costner is the patriarch, and then there's the siblings underneath him who, in fighting and in business and whatnot, and the criminal activities, and it just I don't know, like white guys running around in tight jeans and cowboy hats in modern times, just never has done it for me. <laughs> And I mean, I I love the western as a genre, but I'm I'm a fan of you know the Sergio Sergio Leone's and the uh, Howard Hawks and stuff from back in the old days. But the contemporary western is I, like there's a lot of really good ones, but I just I'm I sit there watching it. I'm like, this is just so silly. But I, I haven't been able to turn it off. Yeah. It's just it just it's it's really it's it's like a. I don't know if you've ever read something like the Da Vinci Code or something like airport fiction. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that in TV form. It's like the uh, one episode ends and I'm like, Ooh, I do want to see, I do want to <laughs> see what happens. And they have, let me give you some names. So it's the Dutton family. Oh, yeah. And then here's, here's some uh, members of the cast. And let me, uh, let me tell you how white these people are <laughs> just by giving you their names. Luke Grimes. Oh yeah. Cole Hauser. Mm-hmm. Brecken Merrill. <laughs> Jefferson White. <laughs> Gil, Bur- Gil Birmingham. <laughs> it does also, though, have the great Danny Houston, mm-hmm. uh, John Houston's son, who is uh, utterly watchable in any. Those are actor just, names, not character so names. Yeah, yeah, those are. Actor oh my, names. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I've I've watched I've watched the first like eight episodes of this, and Kevin Costner's performance can only be described as hard and quiet and small. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah. okay, let's go. Uh, and he just he just looks off to the right, and he might like touch his chin a little bit, fix his hat, and he's just, and then he's just a dick to everyone. Everyone's like, well, you know, that's that's sad, and it's just over, just rinse and repeat over and over again. Um, have you seen what, what what episode are you on, Nathan? Qu- quick question on that one. Uh, let me. Look. You on season two? 
No, I'm still in season one. Okay. Have you got to the point where, where Wes Bentley uh, from the Hunger Games series is driving his sister home from a bar and she's drunk in his truck? Because in that I, in that scene, they I both don't think so. Like the script isn't great. Like the lines, also everyone speaks in in like um, aphorism, sort of. They're like, you know, when the crow flies, that's when the cows break, and everyone's like, <laughs> oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. But in the truck, like she's yelling at her brother, and she's like, oh, you think you're a big fucking man? And then he comes back with like Nicolas Cage energy. And just like, yeah, I do, yeah, I do, talk to me more, and then like hits her in the mouth, and then a minute later, then they're just back to being brother and sister again, and it's just, yeah, there's just these very weird, like, wild swings, but then you show a sweeping vista shot of Wyoming, and you're like, all right, I'm back in again, um, so there's there's that to it. Uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more with this with this Yellowstone pick. Um, Brian, do you think you'll be watching this soon? Uh, I really do want to watch it because I think I watched the perfect bridge between Nathan's number five and number four because I watched Dances with Wolves this week. <laughs> it, oh, wow. <laughs> I had never seen it like in one sitting and I still couldn't do it in one sitting. I broke it up into two because it's three hours long. But I like never. I, I honestly, Go ahead. I think I'm going to watch the uh, finish Yellowstone just so I can watch. There's a prequel set in the 1800s mm-hmm. starring the great. That's Sam what Elliott. I really want to see. So yeah. also Hanks, Hanks from last week. Hanks is in 1883 as well. So is he really? Yeah. Peak Hank. Wow. Yeah, Peak Hank is there. Western Hank. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. For that number four, Brian. Uh, keep. I, I don't know if you can beat Western Hank mention here. Let's let's see if you can though. Uh, I don't think I can. But my number okay. four. Uh, I'm gonna stick in the reality genre. This one's not a game show. This okay. is full on trash TV. We're talking <laughs> 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Oh, I love it so oh, much. Man. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. For anyone who's not seen 90 Day Fiance, mm. it is exactly what's in the title. People mail order. <laughs> a, a, a spouse <laughs> comes here. They got to be here at least 90 days before you can get married and get your green card. Yep. It's both sides just really want something from the other. And it's just a disaster all the way through. Um, but I'm going to talk about two specific storylines. I'm talking about Big Ed and Colt. If you know who I'm talking about, I think Mitch knows who I'm talking about. Big Ed is the guy who has no neck, kind of Danny DeVito type body shape, and just an awful human being. (laughs) He's just, he thinks, he puts mayonnaise in his long, greasy hair to kind of keep it looking young. He's kind of living with or and or taking care of his mother. And he has this narcissism quality about him where he just thinks he deserves the youngest, hottest woman in the world, even though he has nothing to offer like sexually. Most Americans, most Americans on the show have that opinion about themselves. Like this woman or man coming from Eastern Europe or South America or wherever are lucky to have me in their life. And that is, he is that, he is that peak energy. It's peak big Ed is what we're getting here. (laughs) And his long story short is that he ended up finding a woman in the Philippines. She came here, rose. They tried doing things for a while. And then he went there and it was just a disaster. Like he, he could not believe that like there were parts of the country that felt third world to him. And it was just like, can't believe anybody lives like this. Why you have gingivitis, please take care of this. You got to be better for me and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, she's like 20 something years old, wants to have kids. 
all this stuff, everything he doesn't want. And it's just like, why are you going to pick her to bring her back just because she answered a text message? And then it keeps going into another part. And there's a new 90 day fiance spinoff. I can't remember what it's called. But now he's before or after or whatever. Yeah, ninety day after whatever. And now he's got this new woman that he's like entrapping. She's like twenty eight, and they get in all these fights, and then they finally get together. And it's like she he tricks her into liking him for whatever reason. It's a disaster. Speaking, uh, well, leave Big Ed to the side for now. I'm going to talk about Colt. Colt is a software engineer in Las Vegas who designs slot machines. Lives with his mother. Has so many cats, and he finds this woman in Brazil and she is just like, she has like anger issues. <laughs> she like beats Boy. him. She is a complete like narcissist and she's materialist. Like the first thing she says is like, why, why, why don't you have flowers at the airport for me? Like what kind of, what kind of welcome is this? And then it's like, all right, well, it's kind of a little understandable. Like, all right, maybe she was looking for a little bit more romance, blah, blah, blah. And then she starts yelling at him and basically tell him you got to kick the mother out. And then she has like a domestic battery charge against her now. And then they still ended up getting married. <laughs> it was like this whole thing. <laughs> oh, man. It's just like to watch these people who are like should be thankful for any opportunity they have. Like should just try and find somebody in their same wheelhouse. Like mm-hmm. why does everybody have to be what your definition of an A-list model has to be. How about instead of starting with looks, we start with somebody you get along with that doesn't beat you or doesn't think you're weird or do that. Like actually lower your standards a little bit (laughs) and just be a normal human being and just talk to people who are interesting and maybe you will find a good relationship instead of trying to order one. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. But I mean, Brian, if if you were a TV executive and I pitched you, we're going to do a show where people just they're really good friends and we just watch them talk about how they both love spaghetti and, you know, genre film. That's no one's going to watch that movie. You want the the fireworks. This is why it's a hate watch. I hate (laughs) everyone who's involved. I hate everyone's idea. It was I hate everyone who's part of it. But I can't look away. It is a fantastic yeah. train wreck mixed with a truck crash, mixed with a 40-car pileup that just keeps coming on. And now with Discovery what? Plus, you can watch every season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, okay. Do you guys think you could uh, – if, if it went well, do you think you could, within 90 days, meet someone for the first time and marry them? Like no. if, it, if it was going well, do you think you could allow yourself to do that? I don't, think, I don't, I don't care who it is. I don't think I could do it. No. No, couldn't do Not it. Not ninety days. I think if um, I think if I was like in Las Vegas the whole time and we were just drunk and playing roulette the whole time, maybe that would like. How help, would you last but, ninety yeah. days? <laughs> What's your bankroll, sir? <laughs> I'm just betting red and black, both spins. So I'm just we're just we're just breaking even the whole time. Okay, well, uh, one in thirty eight times. One in thirty eight times you're gonna get some this. zeros. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I, you know, this, this show is fascinating to me because it is like, there's just so many options where people live too, like that, like that, to feel that need to reach across the world and you, and a lot of people think they've found their perfect match and maybe one out of however many, you know, 20 couples they've had actually turns into a really good relationship. Yeah. But a lot of times it is just for whatever reason, people are too 
broken or too blocked up to just like look in their own backyard or, you know, try and do something a little bit more um, reasonable, if you will. Cause you know, as you said, 90 days, very, very fast. Yeah, The producers um, are magical at picking the people who need to be on this show. They have yeah. really created the best fireworks spark show you can see. Yeah. And, and they give you just enough. And then they cut to commercial where it's like the hour long episode or hour and a half episode could be cut easily down to about 32 minutes, maybe. If that each they, each week is a 42 minute episode, enough. 42 minute episode that maybe has 20 minutes of new material. Yeah. The rest of yeah. it is flashbacks. Remember when they did this? Da, 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 let's show it all again. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Do you remember when this happened? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. I, I, I also love in the show when the American people, they bring him over and then the people come over like, all right, let's hang out. Like, show me your world. I want to be around you. And the American people are like, dude, I need like my sp- base like i need to be me still and you're like this is the whole fucking point is that you have to get used to each other and married in 90 days like th- there's a couple uh a guy from south africa and a woman from connecticut she brought him over and then failed to tell him until he showed up oh i have to go to costa rica for a month for a for a um an indigenous medicine workshop what so she was gone for one third of the time he was in america to, to get to know enough and marry her. And she was gone for a third of the time in another country doing this workshop and then ended up like flirting with and potentially sleeping with another person in that 30 days as well. Yeah. Um, they didn't work out. Surprise. <laughs> it surprise, is surprise. trash TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fun to Brian, this is, this is an easy three. Nathan, easy three. You're, you're both rolling your, your, your bowling balls right down uh, at my center pin here. Um, Okay, but we, we need to keep it moving here. Nathan. That was an interesting analogy. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> I was I was building building the plane as I was flying it. Uh, Nathan, <laughs> you're number three. Uh, Jeopardy. What? And, uh, Wait, yeah. what? Je- Jeopardy's a good show, isn't it? <laughs> Jeopardy's Jeopardy's one of the greatest shows of all time. Okay. I love watching Jeopardy, uh, particularly with my mom when I'm at home. Um, I love I love mom shouting out the way. answers and thinking that I'm smart. I'm actually pretty good at the final Jeopardy. Mm. Um, I you know I'm just I'm just a, a regular Joe watching the rest of it. Sure. But final Jeopardy, I usually actually do okay on, and so I feel real smart when people are around and I get the right answer. Mm-hmm. That's all fun and good. Yep. But what I two things I can't stand. Yeah. And number one is when they get one of these people that goes on a really long run. Uh, most recently, Amy Schneider, you know, previously uh, Brad Holtzauer, and of course the great Ken Jennings, mm-hmm. uh, who won seventy four games in a row. And after four games, I want these people gone. <laughs> I just I'm rooting. I'm like somebody just beat them already. Just because I'm like don't want to see the same people all the time. Mm-hmm. But then of course when they came back round and they did the like greatest of all time tournament then i was like oh i love these guys it's so good to have them back. <laughs> <laughs> and amy schneider lost i'm like oh i can't wait to see how she does in the tournament of champions this year uh so i i hate that part of it but the worst part is between the first round and double jeopardy when they go and they have a brief little chat with each of the yes. contestants it's just awful. There is a reason these people are not on TV. Yeah. And some of like, oh, here's an interesting fact about me. It's like once my friends and I, uh, we went canoeing and had a turkey sandwich. <laughs> and Alex Trebek would be like, Alex Trebek's thing that he would always say is, good for you. Yeah. That, like when somebody with a particularly terrible one, it's like, oh, and, and you once ran a marathon. Yes, I did. 
good for you and then move i'm like just get rid of that part like it's always i literally when i'm watching at home with my mom i literally will leave the room for a few minutes because i just (laughs) i cringe like i'm embarrassed for them i have that uh third party embarrassment and i i can't do it uh, the vicarious embarrassment um yeah so that's that's really all i have to say about jeopardy i i I don't watch jeopardy enough to know about when they have one, one of those long streak winners do they go to James Holzhauer every single day for a new quip or a new piece of info? Or do they just go, James, yeah. we know you, uh, you look weird. You, you, you make money in Vegas. All right, move on. Or I think by, I think after like game number 30, they're just like, so you doing okay today? Feeling well. And then they just, these people, no, nobody is interesting enough yeah. to have fo- like 40 straight interesting facts. Yeah. There's just, there's no way or, or anecdotes that fit into like a 10 second span. Well, here's is interesting. Three white guys oh. who go on for like 89 podcast episodes. Those guys oh have God. enough yes. stories. See? Yes. <laughs> and fun a- anecdote. Yeah. Our very good friend, Steve Moore worked with the, 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 the champion or the one day champion, two day champion, Emma, I can't remember her last name who beat James Holzhauer. Uh, That's right. That was, That's that was our friend, Steve's coworker. And other fun fact, I saw her in, in an airport once I was on the same flight as her. So there you go. What a small world. Um, good for you is what you're supposed to say there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Good um, for you. Also, I'm, I'm going to brag just a little bit more. My trivia team, which is me, Danny, Dylan, and our friend Jen, we just beat um, at the Green Lady on Lincoln last Thursday. We won trivia, and our toughest competition was called their, their team name, Pop Pop in the Attic. Our team name, Forensic Scientologists. Uh, we beat <laughs> them, and they were a four-time <laughs> citywide trivia champ. So, um, that's pretty good. Nicely that's done. pretty good. So, um, Nathan, thank you for this, uh, for this Jeopardy one. Uh, what is Brian's number three? That's easy. That is Emmy nominated King of Queens. Emmy nominated. What? <laughs> in 2006, lead actor Kevin James was nominated for outstanding <laughs> actor in a comedy series. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. King um, of Queens is the, uh, the second WCIU banner you see most in Chicago next to Seinfeld. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> and what time Mitch is it on? And I used to, Mitch and I used to text each other and be when we'd see those banners and be like, hey, King of Queens is going to be on at 630 tonight on WCIU. Do just, just thought you'd want to not know. forget. Do not forget. <laughs> it is always must watch TV. <laughs> yeah. I, this show, it's like, it's something that I would watch as a kid and be like, all right, sitcoms are on TV, whatever. Didn't think much of it. Yeah. And then I got older and I would watch it and it would be more like a nostalgia feeling like, yeah, this was on when I would get home from school and be on at night and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of remember it. And then when I got extra old, I was like, this is not good. Um, <laughs> this is not well done, but it does have Jerry Stiller. <laughs> Yep. So it's it like, does. how can I hate this when it has Jerry Stiller and he is phenomenal in it? He is just Frank Costanza yes. again. <laughs> He's yes, just he an old man who yells <laughs> and I'm here for it. But on the plus side, I'm going to say I get to watch Kevin James fall down like that. <laughs> that's good for a hate watch, I think. Yeah. And there's I, one, one plot that sticks in my head that I don't know for. I just still think it's funny, even though I know it's not good writing, (laughs) is that every time they go home to visit um, Doug's parents, there's a dog that he loves, that he's had this dog since childhood. And they cut to Leah Remini, and she's like doing the math in her head. 
And he's like, yeah, I've had Rocky since I was blah, 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 like five years old. He's the best dog in the world. Blah, blah, blah. And she's sitting there doing that. And she goes and talks to the mom in the kitchen. She's like, yeah, that's Rocky four. We just never told Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so they've been replacing this dog on him forever. And I'm like, okay, that plot in itself is pretty funny, but it's like, all right, well, here I am. How many years later repeating it? So there's something good about it. <laughs> Stuck I, I in my head. The whole show is 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 Kevin James or Doug is is he's he's dumb, he's lovable, he loves the Jets. Yep. He loves to eat. Yep. Uh, he loves walking around in his boxers. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, uh-huh. He loves watching football in the garage. Yes. And what else? Um. I, I do like that Arthur calls him Douglas when Jerry Douglas. Like, Douglas. Yes. That's Douglas. That might be the best. Yeah. Uh, it's one of, it's like one of the most successful spinoffs. I think, I mean, other than probably what Frazier, <laughs> I mean, it's got a long it's run. A spin- Wait, this is spin-off? Was it a spinoff of everybody. Everybody loves Raymond. Doug Heffernan was the, was the delivery guy in everybody loves Raymond. Yes. Yeah, so wow. It is a spin-off. Wow. Wow. So there I, you go. Wow. Blow your minds. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, Wow, I did not know that. I my my mind is legitimately blown. I'm gonna look <laughs> did, for did, a billboard. In, in the and first no one... incarnation of this podcast, did we do a, a spinoffs episode? Who knows? We will have to check the archive. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, well, we should we should do that in the current one. That that is a good topic. Yes. Wow, yeah, that's a great topic. Um, Brian, I'm I'm gonna give you three points for this one. Nathan, I gave you two uh, for your Jeopardy thing, and I'm gonna reveal another <gasps> envelope of mystery. This is another <gasps> show, not yes. a spinoff. He, here are your clues: butt funnel. Spilled beer, Taffer, Sad Whites, Sad Whites. What are those? What What is that show? Butt funnel. If you have a question about any of these phrases, I, I can I can repeat them further. all again. Butt funnel, spilled beer, Taffer, Sad Whites. That's those are the clues there. Those are the clues. Butt funnel. That's really throwing me off. I have no idea. This is a reality show. I, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that clue as well. This is a reality show. Is this? Is this? Uh, Bear Grylls. It is not Bear Grylls. That is a great. That is a great guess. It, it's a similar iconic one person onto themselves type survivor man that runs a show. Nope, nope, nope. Pretty close though. Sad whites, spill beer, spill beer. Sad survivor whites, funnel. No, 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 no. Unfortunately not. Uh, just, just keep thinking about that. Uh, think alcohol. It's, it's you know, a- a- alcohol is a central theme of the show. Um, the Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That is a good one. Um, I, uh, it is. It is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I think its original television channel was Spike TV. Um, the Man Show. It's not the Man Show. Also, very good guess. Also, very good guess. The host of this show would have been a great guest on the Man Show for sure. This is the host right here, Taffer. That's his last name. Uh, I will give you that now. I'm revealing more and more here. Taffer. So, yeah. Oh my God! He's got a kind of a voice like that. It's very yeah. That kind you of are thing. losing it's, us so fast. We yeah, have no I, idea I, what I, you're I talking about. Gilbert Godfrey. I, it's, it's kind of a Gilbert Godfrey vo- uh, voice. Um, uh, here, here's here's another clue. Cheers. What is cheers? What is cheers? Okay, there we go. I'm, that's another clue for you. We're gonna move ahead here. Keep thinking about that, Nathan. I need your number two, uh, brother. <laughs> My number two is Jackass. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I, it's just I, I I don't think there's a lot that needs to be said here about Jackass, but it is it's so stupid. Yep. But there's there's something about seeing them all laughing together that's sort of contagious, mm-hmm. even though the things they're doing are just 
abhorrent mm-hmm. and dangerous, and I don't know how they haven't died doing it. There's there's some and there's also something sort of just they're sort of laughing in the face of death, yeah. which I find is is oddly sort of inspiring. And I can't believe I'm using that word about it because it is just the stupidest. It's artless. It's and it's so weird that that Spike Jones, who's such he's directed such subtle and sensitive films, yeah. is one of the brain trusts behind this. And I've never I've never really heard him say what the appeal to all of this was. So every time I watch Jackass or laugh at it or even remotely enjoy it, I just question myself and wonder if I'm a bad person. Sure. So that's. <laughs> and I think you might be. You know, I think you might be. But <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, like, I'm guessing Spike, he was in the skateboarding world, right? And so that's how he met these guys. Yeah. And, and you got to hope he just thought, ooh, if I can get on this and get some cash, you know, and get some other things rolling, like maybe that's that was his motivation. Maybe. But, um, yeah, it, it, I think it if is he wanted cash, you wouldn't for... have gone to basic cable first. <laughs> well, I mean, cash with very little work. I mean, you're not right. I mean, that's true. There. But uh, like... yeah, I mean, those guys are famously were not paid very well for a very, very long time. Oh, really? I yeah. know that. They're, they're my two favorite Jackass moments. One actually isn't even Jackass. It's was for Mad TV with Will Sasso playing Kenny Rogers in the Kenny Rogers version yes. of Jackass. <laughs> which, Kenny Rogers, had, welcome to Jackass. Yeah, he had some of the Jackass crew on, so it was kind of related. Mm-hmm. But that that is far funnier because they actually put some thought into the parody. Mm-hmm. But then there was one of the great ad-libs I've ever heard was from the Jackass movie when they go into a department store and Johnny Knoxville fights against Butterbean, the yes. boxer, like an actual professional yes. boxer. And Butterbean just kicks his ass and he falls and he hits his head. And they're treating his, he like actually has a, a head injury. He's bleeding from his head. I, I think that's how it went. And uh, Johnny Knoxville says, is Butterbean okay? <laughs> <laughs> that, that line that line gets me. But uh, I'm actually going to feel guilty if I keep talking about this show. Sure. So I'm going to request you move on to Brian. Um, uh, a fun fact, they uh, – was it this also turned into like Bam's World or whatever or, or Bam Margera? Viva La Bam. Viva La Bam, thank you. Don Vito, their, their creepy uncle, ooh, lives less ooh. than a mile away from Danny's parents' house. And the reason they found that out is because they looked at the sex offender registry and he was on it. And he lives very oh, close to man. them. So, uh, he was but, disgusting. Yeah. Uh, Before boy, we move on, Mitch, here, I did yeah. find uh, a quote here. In the first season, a lot of the guys were paid by bit, by stunt, so not by episode. Oh, my God. So Steve-O said if it was a dangerous and I could get hurt, I was paid 500 bucks. If it was just kind of funny, I'd get paid 200 bucks. And what? after all the filming, I only asked to be paid $500 for two bits. So he wow. made less than a thousand dollars for the first season, maybe. What? Wow. Yeah. Wait. It's, so who owned that show? Because they were stealing from them. <laughs> well, that's kind of it's why Jackass Forever now playing. It was there's a big deal where like a couple of the guys really stood up and like, no, we want more. Yeah. And it had to come out of Spike, Jeff Tremaine, and Knoxville's portion. So they had to go like oh. fight with their friends to be like, guys, getting older. <laughs> Yeah. Got a life to set up for here. Like either give me a piece of the pie or I'm not coming back. Well, it's been what, at least 20 years since the original Jackass aired. I mean, I think it started in the at least 98, 99 on MTV. God. Uh, I, I, I remember like the clear divide in your friend groups or people at school were like, I love Jackass or people would be like, really? Like even as a 12 year old, you'd be like, 
I don't love this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll watch a clip, but I'm like, I'm not here for the whole 45 minutes, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, dude. Yeah, Jack. That, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you now, that's an easy three points because I I also am embarrassed we're talking about it a little bit. Um, Brian. I love watch it. I love watch it. Oh, I do. oh, sorry. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you another clue for this one here. Okay. Reality show. Uh, it, it, Think of it like a renovation show, but it's for a business. A re- renovation show for a business it has to do with alcohol. Cheers is a very good clue. What is Cheers? The bar. Bar rescue? Yes, there we go. Bing, 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 bing. Brian got it right. That oh, was my, God, my this guy is awful. It's the worst. It's the worst show. It's so stupid. And he always comes in and he's like, you know, oh, you've got cactus jacks. You got your drink, but we're going to give you martini list and then we're going to charge 12 bucks for the martini. And that's his whole business plan every time. And that term butt funnel is not as nearly as dirty as it sounds. It's just a, like a, a railing around a dance floor where there's only one entrance and exit. So people, when they, they have to brush by each other and their butts touch and then they meet and then they want to go get drinks together. And that is what he refers to as a butt funnel which always shocks you when they say that with complete sincerity on the show. Um, but yeah, so Brian, you're getting yeah. It's points. just a choke point. Just call it a choke point. That's what it is. <laughs> That's also dirty, you filthy man. My God, this your number two. <laughs> I hope it's not about choke points. Um, well, it could be. <laughs> but, and just like that, the new Sex in the City reboot Oh, spin-off. Brian. Oh. Now, I don't watch this because I want to watch this. I watch this because I live Need with somebody who oh. eats, drinks, and breathes Sex in the City. Okay. Um, as much times as we've watched Entourage, mm-hmm. she has watched Sex in the City. Okay. So we came up with a deal really early on when this show was premiering. Yeah. Like she comes home from work on Thursdays when the new episodes are on. I'm like, I will watch it with you, but I am allowed to make fun of it. And she said, oh. deal. Okay. So this is why I get to watch it. Okay. Now, issues uh, aside with Sex in the City, you right now still have elitist Manhattan white women mm-hmm. who are trying to be in now this current iteration overly woke is what we're going to say. Yep. Now, for instance, uh, Sex and the City had a huge diversity problem to begin with. It was mm-hmm. just Manhattan was only white in the yep. 90s, apparently. Yep. And now you get to this one and it's just like we're 20 years on and they try and force everything these characters should have learned into 20 years and everything we've learned as a society into one show. For example, Carrie no longer writes a column for a newspaper she is on a podcast with co-hosts Bobby Lee and this new character who is an Irish Mexican non-binary stand-up comic. Okay. There's nothing wrong with representation. The problem is they are a stand-up comic and are not funny. Oh. That is the worst part. And they do not do comedy specials. They do something else. Comedy comedy concerts is what they're called. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So they go up and do stand up and it's just awful jokes. It's not funny. And this person kind of feels like an embodiment of like what a 
straight cis person thinks these people are. (laughs) So it's like a caricature of like all the things that like we were supposed to have learned put into one. And the internet is completely divided on this. Like a lot of people think that the character is like super representative and the other half are like, this thing is like mocking the thing it's supposed to be supporting. Sure. And it's like, sure. it doesn't really work like that. That's one part of it. Um, at least it's actually a non-binary person playing a non-binary character. There's at least one <laughs> in yeah. that's actually better than what they used to be. Yeah. But then there's this whole thing where it's like, they've inserted Charlotte is putting together a dinner party, but the thing that she's worried about the most is making sure that the cast list for the dinner party is diverse enough. Like she's trying to squeeze in black people here and make sure that there's a conversation starting here and doing this. And it's like, and then the black family that she becomes friends with are in the same class as them. And it just kind of feels like the show is saying, yeah, black people can be rich too. And it's like, well, guys, oh, what are we God. doing here? Oh, like, this is not the feeling that you want. And on top of all of this, Carrie Bradshaw's character is exactly the same. A total narcissist, the worst friend in the world, horrible to everyone. It's all about me. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like everything is so trying to be more than it just should be. But it's like so hard to talk about this show on the fine line of being like, no, no, no. I support what they're trying to do. They are just executing it so poorly. Yeah, uh, and the, the the creator of this is I think it's Darren Star. Is that true? Is that the guy? Well, Darren Star left really, really early. Like he oh, created okay. the show, but he was gone like after season one, I think. And oh, okay. It's Michael Patrick King guy. Oh yeah, yeah, him. Okay, I was gonna say this. What the the problems you're describing with these plots and everything sounds like it applies directly as well to Darren Star's show Emily in Paris, which is a show I forgot that I've hate watched before on Netflix. But that show he did Emily in Paris. I did not know that, that. show is aggressively stupid. Oh my god. Um. But uh, we do not have time for that, though. Um, Brian, I, I, I was not going to give you three points, but I was I was um, uh, drugged, dragged, dragon. I was dragging to the to the theater to see <laughs> Sex in the City two, the movie where they go That's to the, the one Middle in East. Yeah, where they go to the Middle East, and yeah. just so many, so many offensive uh, tropes and and uh, and ideas in that movie. So three points for you again. It it. Today, everyone's. I'm. I'm just giving the points away today. I'm. I'm very generous. <laughs> um, I'm going to introduce my last envelope of mystery. Here are the the clues. Uh, people, young, drunk, perfect match, truth booth, MTV. It's a reality show. Those are the clues. Young, drunk, uh, perfect match, truth booth, MTV. Truth booth. J- Jersey Shore, real world. Ooh, that's that's good. It, it's it, it's in that neighborhood. You're you're definitely maybe one cul-de-sac over, but you are nearby. Same zip code for sure. Nathan, uh, before you figure out uh, my my guilty watch, please give me your number one. Uh, the Winter Olympics, or as I like to call it, seventy-five versions of sliding. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's boring, yeah, isn't it? I, right? It's boring. It's boring. It, it is. It's 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 very repetitive. But there's something, there's something sort of soothing about the downhill skiing. Just whoosh, yep. whoosh, 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 and then when they hit like a little bump and they go airborne for a couple seconds, ah, yeah. and like watching uh watching people ski jump, it all looks exactly the same. Yep. I can't tell how far they're going, nope. but man, does it look like fun! Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, the speed skating again just so utterly cool. boring actually i won't i won't watch it very often but i really do get emotionally invested this is the most patriotic i ever am is when the winter olympics <laughs> comes around i really i really want to see our crew do well and i actually follow the medal count and whatnot and it's, it's always nice to see the uh the pretty locales that they have with the mountains and yeah you know i'm and i'm like oh, i bet it would be fun to go there and like stand at the bottom of the ski thing and just drink some hot chocolate and applaud them as they come down and ring the bells i could do that for a few days that no problem there yeah but it is all just it's just the same thing over and over and over again yeah and it's pointless and the olympics are an enormous waste of money uh, as we all so know so is mexican food so is italian food it's the same three ingredients and both cultures remixed in different ways but it's delicious <laughs> right wow. yeah um but also i really put this in uh because i needed to uh bring up one of the great moments of my entire life oh and Ooh. this is the 2010 winter Olympics. I don't remember where they were, but I remember where I was. Yep. I was in the living room of the house that me and Mitch and Steve Moore lived in. Yep. Uh, 1817 North Clybourne Avenue here in Chicago in our basement apartment. Mm -hmm. And we were watching one of the most boring versions of sliding <laughs> curling. And there is a gentleman from Canada named Kevin Martin mm -hmm. who looked like JK Simmons, uh, with his pants pulled up too high and <laughs> he was in his well into his forties. This guy did not look like an athlete, but apparently he's a curling legend. And, you know, he was, he was one of the, the, the oldest Olympians there. Uh, he might've been the oldest one at the games. And, uh, so the Canadian commentators were talking about him and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So Kevin Martin was about to retire and Mitch was in the room sitting next oh, yeah. to me, by the yeah. way, he was present. <laughs> And, uh, oh yeah, Kevin Martin. He, he said he was. They thought he was going to retire, and so they said, "Kevin, are you going to retire?" And he said, "No, he got some curling to do." <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is just my favorite line ever. And then uh, Mitch and I started for the rest of the time we lived together. Like if one of us had to go to the bathroom, be like, "Hey, I got some curling to do." <laughs> so yeah. Winter Olympics. Oh, man. Curling. It was Vancouver in 2010. So that makes a lot of sense oh, why you have Canadian yeah. commentators. They do They do a lot of curling up oh, there yeah. in Vancouver. I love curling, on the other hand. Already. It's exciting to watch them brush so fast. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. When it gets down to the end, they're like, they're about to hit a rock. They're like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. It's just it's like, Canadian it's like cornhole. The, it's Canadian bags. It's yeah. the same thing. It's like, yeah. It it's is. The it's the, sh the shuffleboard game that you play at a bar, except much slower pace. Yeah. Just yeah. 10%. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of a bowler, like a like a like a midwestern bowler body being able to be an Olympic athlete. That is super exciting for me. Yeah. Means I got a chance. Exactly. Get into curling. You you got some curling to do, Brian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 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 Winter Olympics, I think, because you know, like skiing, it's 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 calming, as you said. But when you're actually skiing, because they're going like 65, 70 miles an hour, that is not calming at all for them. Like that is intense, you know, a ride. They need to do away with the cameras that catch them as they go down the hill. You know, it just switches from view to view to view. I know I'm sure skiers would be like, that's extra weight. But put a camera on every single skier and let us get that POV, right? Like, yeah. let us feel oh, the yeah, fucking MPHs, baby. You know, like, that's why I love F1 Drive to Survive because you're going 220 in the cockpit. Let me go 80 miles an hour in the pants of, you know, Hans you know, Stemgarter or whatever from Denmark <laughs> as he's flying down the, the slopes. You know, that's what I want to see. So 
and also the footage when if they crash that that'll be some gnarly stuff um but uh <laughs> yeah i just there's there's they can think of better things to do um I, I still like the idea, though, that we're, what we're not doing for all the Olympics is sending out an average Joe first just to show how hard it is. Yeah, right. Like, that's what I want. I need, We need if it's a true experiment, we need our our, our truth variable. We got to send out the average <laughs> Joe on a half pipe just to see how far he makes well, it. That's, just to see him shatter his tailbone is, and just see yeah, blood on would, his ass. Yeah, he would die. Fun. Like, all of these things, all of these things, these people could die at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and what, you have to be so good at this death stuff. Death by sliding. On those, on those alpine skiers, when they do the slow-mo and you watch them taking the turns and they're just like, <laughs> and their skis are just bouncing a little bit on the ground and you see their, their leg muscles just fluctuating and just barely keeping them on the course and they are world-class muscled athletes i mean tom dicker joe from down the block it'd be just immediately acl tears kneecaps exploding flying off in all different directions and you wouldn't want to watch that no i know i would love to watch that just call it (laughs) just call it bloody hill I'll, i'll watch that all day um all right uh nathan i i will say i'm my favorite Winter Olympic uh, game is the um, is the combined biathlon where you have to cross country ski and then shoot because it just feels primordial. You know, it feels like this is how you feed yourself in the winter when you live in survival. Scandinavia. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go three points again. Nathan, or sorry, Brian, give us your number one. And of course, that envelope of mystery is sitting out there for five bonus points. It's a reality show, MTV, Young Drunk, Perfect Match, Truth Booth, MTV, still sitting out there. Of my are you the one yes brian ernst way to get it my friend this is an inc- i've seen a commercial for it i've never seen the show seasons one through three are incredible um they they do have a season where they try and get woke if you will and it just doesn't work as well because the best reality shows on mtv are always when you just pump them full of alcohol you don't make them think or try and be nice you just <laughs> pump them full of booze put them in a sweet house with no tvs you know, bathing suits and a nice pool, <laughs> boom, and the and the soap Drama. starts to sud. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, okay, that's oh, yeah. Brian. That's a that's a big get there for you. Good job, bud. Um, give us your number one, please. Now, My number one's very simple. It is Thousand Pound Sisters on TLC. Now I looked this up just to get myself a look. One of the one of the stars almost died like a week ago. Yeah, that happens every month. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, she she was at she was at a rehab facility for her weight, and her lungs literally could not support the amount of blood, the weight of her chest, and the weight yes. of her chest. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. So we're on season three now. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, just wrapped up. Um. So the Slayton sisters in Kentucky, mm-hmm. when the show started, they were one sister was a, just over four hundred. One sister was just over six hundred. So together, they were the thousand pound sisters. Oh. The whole point of the show was other people in their family had had gastric bypass surgery. So instead of 600 pound life, this is thousand pounds together. Got it. They were going to lose enough weight to be approved for surgery and get gastric bypass together. Got it. Now, as time has gone on, the one sister, Amy, did lose enough weight. She did get gastric bypass and she has since become pregnant and had a child and has kind of gotten her life together. Wow. She still hasn't lost as much as she should have lost, but she's on the right path. Okay. Now, Tammy, on the other hand, was over 600 pounds when the show started. 
Um, she is awful. Likes to drink. Just in general. Likes to vape. She is right? just a horrible person and character in terms of not being able to one, take care of herself and two, not nothing happens unless she decides it's going to happen. Anybody who tries to be there to help support her or help give her or offers to take her to rehab or offers to take her to this, or let's go take a walk, get some exercise, whatever. She shuts them down because I don't need to be told what to do. I could do it myself. Like that's her attitude this entire time. And she has gotten down to just about 600 then she's gotten over 700 and she's always fluctuating in between there. And the doctors, the one doctor she was talking to, his only thing is, I want you to take 75 steps a day. Oh, my God. That was his recommendation. And she wouldn't do it. That was like going to the mailbox and back. Oh, boy. And she wouldn't do it. And she still won't do it. And it has taken now to the end of season three. For her to be like, okay, I'm ready now. <laughs> and the second she decided to go, so she had, she's done it. She did a stint in rehab. Yeah. And she lost like a hundred pounds. Yep. If she would have stayed in rehab, she would have made weight and would have been able to get surgery. Yeah. But she's like, I want to go home. I hate it here. Yeah. And because you can't force anybody to be there, she left and she went home. Yeah. But it's like, it gets to this point where it's a hate watch because you're just like, everybody is telling you what to do. You follow the instructions and you will be okay. Yeah. And then at the end of the season three, she finally decides, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to go to rehab. And the second she gets there that night, she gets a lung infection and has to be transferred to the hospital. Oh my like God. she waited too long. So I follow her on TikTok, and now she's got a ventilator like permanently in her neck. Oh, oh God. So we have no idea what's going to happen to her. And it's just like. She this whole season. She like went. She has these weird. She's. She's come out as pansexual, so she just wants a relationship with anyone and anybody she can get along with, mm -hmm. which is like, that's fine. But then she starts having these online relationships with either people who are, they call them feeders. Oh, so they like yeah, have a BBW yeah. fetish and like will come and bring her a bunch of food and watch her eat it. Yeah, 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 so she yeah, gains yeah. weight that way. Or she like completely gives up on everything and then just goes on these benders, which all she just wants to do is drink. So she was drinking seven to eight bottles of hard liquor a week. Jesus. Oh my God. So, yes. so, so what, so what keeps you coming back to this show? Cause it sounds like a really hard thing to watch. One, the sister who had the kid has a really, really cute kid. So he's just a little baby walking around. His name is Gage. Okay. So he's really, really funny to watch because he's, he's just growing up as a little guy. Okay. But the thing that keeps you watching is everyone on this show and this family fights with each other. Uh, and it's okay. so great, especially when Tammy gets all angry. She gets so, her voice like kind of chokes up. She's like, I'm going to get, like she can't get the words out anymore. because She's just so fucking pissed. And she becomes this huge ball of energy. And it's just like, they're always calling each other. Hey, bitch, what's going on, bitch? What's up, bitch? Oh, what's going on, you fat fuck? <laughs> like, that's how they talk to each other. And it's like, <laughs> I like this. It sounds kind of like Beavis and Butthead almost. It is. They are there. like living embodiments of Beavis and Butthead. Okay. And but it's like, but then they do have this like one responsible brother who 
also did a weight loss journey and he's gotten the gastric bypass surgery. And at the end of this season, like he's the ray of hope mm-hmm. because he's just, so, he's got this really raspy voice. His name is Chris. And it's just like, you just want to root for him. He's just a, such a sweet guy. He's always trying to help Tammy and whatever. And the end of this season, all he wanted to do was to fit into a suit. That's what he wanted. Yeah. So he got the surgery. He lost some pounds Had everybody over for dinner and he just came strolling out in, in just a, a full suit and tie. He's still about like 350, but he's like, I haven't been able to fit in a suit since I was in high school. And wow. he was just like strutting. He's just super happy and he made his goal and he's still losing weight. And it's like, so, so there are rays of hope in the show that keep you watching. Okay. Interesting. Um, I was, I, I, if you haven't watched clips, go watch clips. Okay. I highly recommend you going on a YouTube rabbit hole for this show. Un, un, until you gave us some more details there at the end, I, I was going to give you one point. Cause I was like, Brian, this just sounds like a really sad show to watch, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to knock it up to two points for you. Um, and let me, let me do uh, some quick math here. I won't make you guys talk to each other. I know you, I know you hate it Thank when you're, God. when you're alone together. Uh, three, six, nine, 12, 14, 15 points for Nathan. That's a very respectable score. Mr. Hennon. Nice job. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, uh, that's Not eight, bad. 10, 13, 16, 19. Wow. 21 points for Brian Ernst. He is our today's winner. That is a very Hey-o! high score for Ubersenko. You should be proud of yourself. Uh, Mr. Brian, so um, you beat Nathan. Good for you. All right. Guys, time for the fast five. <laughs> Here it is. Top five kisses. Number five, the French kiss. Nothing starts as mysterious, ephemeral, or wonderful and turns to revulsion as quickly as the French kiss. Surely classy French people don't kiss this way. All the time, teenager me thought, but just like every other kid who was wading into crushes and dating in high school, I said, when in Rome. And the strongest indication a Hollywood slab of beef is actually a creepy douche is when you see them toss out an unsolicited Frenchie smooch on camera looking at you, Tom Cruise and Gerard Butler. Number four, the ass kiss. Whether you're trying to get ahead, <laughs> trying to get some head, or trying to get out of your head and just go for it. The ass kiss is a gateway move to pull. Go boldly, my friends. That promotion or promotion is just beyond the small hills of the cheeks. Number three, Kissimmee, Florida. Be perfectly uh. whelmed in Kissimmee, Florida. No, you won't be overwhelmed. We are just hotels and go-kart tracks built on parking lots that were built on swamps, but we're pretty close to Disney. Okay, 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 hold on, hold on. Just, just take a pamphlet, all right? Please, just, just, just take a pamphlet. If I don't get 200 of these in people's hands, my boss is going to have my ass, all right? Oh, also, we got Medieval Times. You ever seen nice different colors fight for the hand of a theater major from Florida State? While drinking Pepsi <laughs> from a flagon, though, <laughs> right? Please, just take a pamphlet. Number two, the off the backboard kiss when you're operating down low and the post is getting a little clogged, so you just take a little step and fade away. And with a flick of that wrist, you send the basketball softly off the glass, swishing into the hoop. That little kiss, mm, nothing sweeter. <laughs> Number one, the chef's kiss. A thick ribeye cooked medium rare with a nice Bernays smooth scotch and your closest buds. A keister that just won't quit. Damn! Or ace in a test you forgot about the night before and studied for only 30 minutes at lunch. Ugh. That's a chef's kiss, and it don't get more scrumptious than that. And that's this week's oh, yeah. edition of Ubersenko. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. And once again, we love that hearty wom word of mouth. So please tell your friends about us. Send them your favorite episode. And thank you. To the man who knew way too much about the Civil War at a young age. <laughs> Nathan Head and Fence. <laughs> and uh, my big wet boy. Brian Ernst. And I've been Mitch Franklin, and as Biz Bear always says, when the tent is a rocking, 
that's a time to go a mauling. Less clothes to rip through. Auf Wiedersehen and adios. <laughs> <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah!